So today we're talking about rest as a way for us to meet with God. And rest is, is a topic we've talked about before. Uh, earlier in, this, in the year we were in the series called Bless Rhythms. And I preached a sermon on Sabbath. And so that, the idea of Sabbath, uh, Sabbath is a practice that brings a regular rhythm of rest into our lives. Uh, and, and so if you think about the practice of Sabbath, that's a way for us to rest. And to rest really in a way that connects us to the Lord, that connects us to God. Rest is found in the Lord. And so in that sermon, we talked about the different practices of Sabbath. And he gave a couple of different examples, right? So worshiping together, uh, fellowship. So maybe it's dinner with friends or with family, even taking a nap. <laughs> All those different practices, those Sabbath practices are ways that connect us back to God where we ultimately find rest. So this Sunday, in a way we're kind of continuing on from that thought that I had that we were talking about in that sermon, by really focusing in on really ultimately rest is found in the Lord. It's found in God. We rest to the degree in which we find connection with God. The different practices we do allow us to connect with God, to reorient ourselves around the Lord. And so we're sort of going to sort of continue thinking about that, but through that lens of saying, what is it that we need to know and believe about God. Things to know and believe about him that really then connects us to rest. And in that sense then, rest becomes not just an activity that you do. And it is an activity, right? There's specific things that you do that bring you rest. But what I want to take us towards is how rest can actually just be in you. It actually is you. <laughs> that you live and work and play out of a place of rest. Uh, that even if you're busy, <laughs> even if you've got a lot going on, you can say, I'm at rest. I have rest. I'm rest in my soul. Because if rest is about satisfaction and contentment and refreshment and, and, and restoration, I want to suggest that that can actually just define who you are. That just how you live your life, no matter what's going on, no matter what you're, you might be facing. How does that happen? Well, again, the key is to the degree in which you're connected to the Lord. There's practices that we do that help us better do that. But there's a way in which we can say, I know and believe these things about God. And because of that, I'm with God. I'm aware of God. I'm at rest because I'm connected to this God who gives rest. And he gives it generously and freely. This brings us to where we'll be at this morning, Psalm 23. If you just heard that psalm read, I mean, there's all these images of rest in that psalm. I shall not want. So that's that sense of satisfaction. Uh, green pastures, still waters, the safety, abundance, restores my soul. The sense of restoration and refreshment. That's, that's rest. Right? This psalm is hitting rest in all these different ways. But the thing that connects all those things I just listed, all those different images together, what's the thing that connects it together? It all comes from the Lord, doesn't it? And all those images, it's about God. And so this psalm is really then saying some things about God. Who God is, what he's about. If you know them, you believe them, you're connected to God, and you have all the things that we just listed. You have rest. You experience rest. Rest can be something that you carry with you all the time. You live in and out of rest because you live in and out of being connected to God at all times. So let's get started. What are things to know and believe about God that brings us rest because we are connected to God, we're with God? So three things we'll look at this morning. Number one, I think Psalm 23 wants us to know and believe that God is a personal God. To know and believe that God is a personal God. This psalm, of course, is, is, is famous. A lot of people know it. And I think what, what helps it be so well known to so many people is just how personal it describes God. 
Notice all the ways in which it personalizes God, how much God is directed, connected to us personally. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul. He is with me. He anoints me. See, when we think of God, when we think of God as, as great, mighty, glorious, and this great, mighty, glorious God is relating to the human race, or he's relating to his church, the, his people, and that's true. God is great and mighty. He's relating to us as, as a community of people in di- different ways. That's the only way God relates to us. I want you to think of God not just as a God who's just sort of relating to us as this great mass of humanity or as one church. He also relates to us specifically, directly, personally. He's a personal God. And the reason God is able to do this is because God has actually become one of us. God has sort of sealed the deal on this. God, over all things, created all things, decided to take on a human name and a human life. The name and life of Jesus. So when God thinks about human life, when he's relating to us as human beings, he's doing it out of personal experience. He knows what it's like. That means he knows what rest is like. He knows our need for rest. And so that means God is able to personally give it to us. Because of Jesus, God is able then to be God to you in a way that specifically and personally matters to your life. That's designed for your life. To be personally your God in your specific and personal life. A while back, uh, someone gifted me with a a suit. But along with that gift uh, was an appointment to get the suit tailored. I never, never experienced that. I thought, you buy a suit, you wear it, right? That's it. <laughs> but once I bought the suit and was able to make this appointment, I showed up and this person called a tailor comes and starts measuring all different parts of you, right? Uh, this inseam and outseam, and I don't know if there's an outseam, but I just remember there was, a, there was all sorts of parts that he measured on me, on my body. And he took the suit and I came back a couple days later and put it back on and it fit different. I mean, some of you, you check me out on Easter, Christmas Eve, and you're like, Ramon, you look good. I appreciate that. Keep giving me those compliments. That's because that suit was tailored. It was designed and was fit, not just to sort of fit me generically, but to fit my specific body, my specific body type. Designed specifically for me, tailored for me. The parts of it to fit what I need to make me look good in that particular suit. And I think about this often when I'm preaching up here. And I'm preaching sort of big ideas, love and hope and joy. And I'm preaching in a way that I hope is specifically tailored for you, customized for you. And I try to do that through giving, you know, real-life illustrations and and stories. You know, on good preaching days, maybe a few jokes, right? Uh, I try to do some things that sort of apply to you. And I've heard, yes, it's helpful, it's great. But it would be way better if I could say specifically, person by person, row by row, okay, here's this concept that we're talking about. Here's how that looks like in your particular life. You know, to Fletcher, to, to, to Kim, to, to Sandra, to, to Brian, to Scott, any of those people. Here's your specific life. Here's what, I know, here's what's going to happen to you tomorrow. And here's how love, what I'm just talking about, here's how that's going to apply to your specific life and that conversation you're going to have. Hey, that thing you're still stewing about that happened a week ago, uh, this concept of hope, here's how to think about it and how to apply it in your particular and specific life. I wish I could do that. I can't do that. I know a lot of your guys' stories. I know a lot of things that are happening in your lives. But I don't know everything. And I certainly don't know all that you're thinking. 
It would matter if I could sort of say, here's these things, these concepts, these things we believe, here's how that applies in your particular life. Here's what you need so that it makes sense, so it resonates, so it plants in your heart and soul. I can't do that, but fortunately, I don't have to do that. God does that. It's God's job. It's God's job, and he's taking it, and the reason God is able to take it and be successful in doing it is because God is a personal God. He's not just any shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd, and he's your shepherd. That means he knows specifically what you need. He's able then to, to give you a life that's tailored for you, that's custom built for the love and the hope and the joy that you need in specific conversations and relationships and decisions and experiences that you have, designed all ultimately to connect you to him. And when you're connected to God, you can experience rest. You can experience personally rest for you. He's a personal God in Jesus, by faith in Jesus, he's personally then coming and saying, okay, what is it that's going on in your particular life? Here's what we got to do. Here's what you need to know and believe. Here's what I'm going to bring. You look at the psalm, I want to argue there's almost like a full menu of the things that God personally does. All right, so verses 1 to 2, I shall not want. Another way to say that is I will not lack anything. I will lack nothing. Uh, this idea of lying down in green pastures beside still waters. That sense of God is going to give you satisfaction and contentment. So you are feeling that you don't have what you need. And people on the outside are telling you that, right? You don't have the strength you need. You don't have the money that you need. You don't have the marriage and family that you need. You don't have the good looks that you need. You don't have the intelligence that you need. You don't have the education that you need. Here's all these things that you lack, that you don't have. That's happening on the outside. But in the inside, here's what God is saying. Here's what God comes and speaks to your heart. Here's how God touches your soul. He says, I know what they're all saying on the outside. But it's just you and me here on the inside. You've got everything. They say you've got nothing, but you have everything because you have me. And here's the ways in which I meet you in your heart, in your soul, in all the particular areas of your life. And I show you, you have it all. You say you don't have good looks. I'm infinitely beautiful. <laughs> and I'm in you. They say you're not smart. They're dumb compared to me. I've been around forever. <laughs> Strong? What's strength compared to the mighty God who is in you? In your heart and soul is just you and God. That means you have infinite strength. You have infinite riches. You have infinite beauty. You have infinite intelligence. Who cares what's going on, on the outside? They're going away. You are with God and God is forever. And that means personally in your life you have all that you need. And wow, that's satisfying. <laughs> that's refreshing. That gives you rest. You have all that you need and more. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That means God is personally able to lead you in the direction that you need to go, in the right paths, in the way of thinking this, in righteousness. And he's able to bring you back when you falter or when you stray or when you wander. That's how I'm taking restores my soul. I think it actually more has a sense of he returns my soul. He returns my soul. So when you wander, when you falter, when you, stroll, when you stray, whatever that means in your specific life, it's different for me as it is different for you, but whatever it is, God personally is able to guide you and return you back to the right path and lead you and keep you on the right path. God, he's a personal God because he's able to specifically shepherd you in the ways that you specifically need to be shepherded. He is not just any shepherd, he's your shepherd, and he's my shepherd. When you know and believe that, you experience that. 
You have that. It's bound up really in who he is. God can't help but do this. Look again at verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The same way God can deny who he is. He can't deny his name. He'll never deny his name. He won't deny his instinct, his leaning to lead you in the right paths. It's who he is. For the sake of his name, he will lead you and return you in the right paths. In all the ways that bring you back to him and to be back with him is to be at rest. No one believed then that God is a personal God. His name is Jesus. Jesus in John 10 says he's the good shepherd. It's like a callback to Psalm 23, isn't it? Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. What you all read back in Psalm 23, maybe you didn't believe it. I'm here to show you, look, I'm committed to this. I took on a human name and a human life. And by faith in him, he personally gives you all of God. And to have God and be connected to God puts us at rest. It gives us rest. So this rest, again, becomes not just something we have to do. It's who we are. We live and operate out of rest. So no one believe that God is a personal God that connects you to God, that gives you rest. Number two, no one believe that God is with us in all circumstances. No one believe that God is with us in all circumstances. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death, another way to sort of translate this is the valley of deep darkness or the valley of the death shadow. So the valley of the shadow of death, this is the part of life that can't be avoided. The road of life is going to take you into dark places. It's going to take you into dark and scary valleys. And the only way through the valley, it doesn't say... Here's this dark valley, here's how you're going to get around it. Here's a dark valley, here's how you eliminate it. It says, here is what you have to do. You've got to walk through it. The only way through the dark valley is to go through it, to keep going down that road. And in the dark valley, in the valley of the shadow of death, we're going to experience things. We're going to experience pain. We're going to experience suffering. We're going to experience difficulty. And those things are hard. But I think the harder thing when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, I think the harder thing isn't the pain and the suffering and the difficulty. That's hard. It's what you feel as you anticipate pain and suffering and difficulty or as you're in it. I think the harder thing is feeling fearful. It's feeling doubt. It's feeling worry. It's feeling depression. I think those are the things that, that really overwhelm us, that really get at us when we are in those valleys. And, and the thing I, I wrestle with, I'm still wrestling with, that's hard, part of life, and that is some, is, I can explain some of it, but not really all of it, not the part I think that really we wish could be explained. The thing I wrestle with is the fact that some of us have to go through those valleys longer than others. That some of you, I've had some dark valleys, but nothing compared to some of you. For whatever reason, some of us go through life experiencing more time in dark valleys and darker valleys than others. All of us have to go through it, but it's different, isn't it? How much we have to spend and what we experience in the valley of the shadow of death. But here's the thing. I think the psalm is saying that, yes, you're going to have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, but it's possible to be in that valley, to be in the deepest and darkest part of the valley and still say this, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. How, how is that possible? How is that even remotely possible? What does that verse say? Even though we're going to walk through this valley. Remember, 
I've got to walk through it. Not that here's how I avoid it, here's how I eliminate it. Even though I've got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And here's the difference, verse 4, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff did come for me. That is an amen. You want to save something on your phone, it's this verse. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You can be at rest no matter the circumstances, no matter what you face, no matter the value that you're in. It's tied to this fact. Knowing and believing that God is with you and will never leave you. No matter how long you're in that valley, no matter the hurt, the pain, the suffering, the loneliness, whatever it is, no matter what you must experience, here's what God is saying. You're not alone. I am with you. Because... Here's the thing, when you're experiencing hurt and pain and suffering, God actually experiences it with you if he's with you. You think about this? God saying he's with you is God saying we're experiencing this together. We're experiencing the hurt and the pain and the suffering and the difficulty together. Now the difference is you experience it and then you're tempted to despair, to fall down on the ground and never get up. God experiences it and says this stinks, this is terrible. I don't like this for you, but we have to go through this, and I'm with you. Here's my hand. And what God does because he's with us is say, let me pick you up. You need some hope, let me give you some hope. Let me give you all my hope. You need some, some, some joy to get through this, have my joy. You need peace right now. I'm there with you. Let me give you peace. Understand, God is doing this right in the moment, right there with you in that valley, and it doesn't mean the danger is gone. I think the next verse is, is, is saying, look, the enemy is still there, present. There may be things actively against you right now in your life. But here's what verse 5 says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is a reminder that God, when he's with you, he's not just hanging out, scrolling on his phone, saying, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> right? I hope they get through it. God is actively there, right there. Because God is not, because God is, isn't confined just to one body, he's spirit. That means God, this is what is God is able to be in every person's specific life. Right? That's how he's able to be a personal God. God, Jesus says, I return so I can come as God the spirit and be in every single person's specific life. So that means he's able to be present, personally doing what's needed. He is always at work personally encouraging you, guiding you, directing you, so that you can experience blessing even in the presence of your enemies. You face enemies, it says there, he has a rod there. That rod is, think of like a mace, right? That's what it was. There to defend and protect you. People are actively coming against you. Circumstances are actively trying to overwhelm you. God is smashing them down in your heart and soul. They're still there, but they can't hit you in here. As the Bible says, you can destroy the body, but you can't destroy the heart and the soul. And that's because God is there protecting it. And by the way, he promises to give you a new body, so do what you want. <laughs> His staff is there. But that means God is there to guide and direct you, to lead you through. Whatever direction you need to specifically go to deal with what you're specifically dealing with, God is personally there by his spirit to lead you through it, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation. His presence is always there, and because of that, that's where rest comes, isn't it? This is where the sense of satisfaction and contentment of, like, I, I'm going to be okay. I can be okay, no matter the circumstances, because God is there. 
No matter the dark valley you go through, God never leaves your side. You can be at rest, and that can be true now and always in the future. Because he's there. He's there even if you don't feel like it. This is a great thing. The fact that, like, sometimes you don't feel like it. You don't think he's there, and God's still there. He's like, I know you don't think I'm here. I'm still here. I'll wait for you to notice. <laughs> and I, my hand will still be extended to give you what you need. So, no one believe that God is with us in all circumstances. Number three, no one believe that rest will be forever because we will be with God forever. Verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, God's rest isn't meant to be temporary, like an occasional thing. What we have now, what God gives us now is an early installment of what is meant to be permanent. What's meant to be forever. So the sense of, of, I've been talking about rest in your soul, contentment, satisfaction, refreshment. God gives it to you by faith, and then he promises by faith to give it to you forever, for you to have it forever. Goodness and mercy will follow you. When you read that word mercy, it comes from the Hebrew word chesed. And chesed, another way to translate that word is steadfast love, right? Steadfast love. Uh, that means God is committed to you in royal love. Loyal, committed love. Loyal, steadfast love. God's attached to, to you. Like you can't get away from it. Right? It follows you. It's connected to you. If you have known and believed in God by faith in Jesus, his love, his committed love, his goodness is connected to your life. And that's a road that leads you to God and keeps you with God and will keep you with God forever. So that you dwell forever with him. To know and believe then that God is faithful, that he follows through in his promises, and specifically this promise, we're going to be in this thing together forever. We are in relationship forever. Like, that matters. That does something for you. Understand, every time, every time you're reminded of his goodness, every time you experience his loyal love, that is God saying to you, look, I'm with you, you're with me, and this is forever. See, God's goodness, God's loyal love, I want you to understand, it is no mirage. It's not just abstract thing. Every time... You have an experience of goodness and loyal love. It's, it's, as real, it's as real as the wood on this pulpit, as real as the metal in the chairs that you're sitting in. Every time you feel in your heart and soul that, yes, there's a God, his name is Jesus, and he has goodness for you, that he really loves you. Every time you remember this, every time you feel this, every single time, every time other people remember this and remind you of this, because sometimes we forget <laughs> Thank God for Roosevelt Church. I forget sometimes. I walk in here. I'm not feeling it. And I look at other people. I see you singing. I see you hugging. I see you talking. I do those things. I remember, oh, yeah, goodness and loyal love is with me. I see it in other people's lives. It's there. Every single time, if you have to remember it or I need other people to remember it, every single time it's God saying, look, this is true. You're experiencing something now and it will last forever because I'm with you and I'm with you forever. I don't jump out of this. I don't quit on relationships. It's not my nature. You may quit, but I don't quit. <laughs> and I'm there calling you back every single time. This is the God we have. To know and believe this, all the things that we've talked about this morning, to know and believe he's personal, that he's there in all circumstances, that what he gives you, his goodness, his love, all of it is there with you now forever. All those things, what did they do? Well, it's going to make you feel okay about things. It's going to make you feel Hopeful, there's still pain, there's still suffering, there's still doubt, there's still wonder, there's all these different things, maybe potentially. 
and yet you can feel still satisfied and content. You can still feel at rest. You can be at rest. To know and believe these things is to be at rest because God confirms those things in our hearts, in our faith, in our knowledge, in our belief in these things. Because he's our God. He's your God. He's my God. And rest is just part of the package. It comes along with what God does. He's in relationship with us and gives us all we need and more. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time and for Jesus and for the chance we've had this morning to really consider how you are with us and how you speak to us in all the different ways, Lord, in which we encounter you and meet with you. Um, they do things in us that bring this about, Lord. We're talking about meeting God through rest. In the sense, Lord, we meet God by, we get rest by meeting with you, <laughs> by encountering you. And I pray, Lord God, whatever we experience or feel, Lord, may, may you just have it sort of sink into the parts of our heart and soul that it needs to sink into so that it becomes personal for us and we realize, yes, you are there for us and it matters and it matters forever. Lord, um, yeah, I, I wish I could know every single person's life and speak the personal words that need to be said to make what we talked about, Lord, resonate and, and be truer for them. So the Lord, in these moments, speak to individual hearts and souls. Do what I can't do, Lord, and make it, Lord, do something, Lord, that is that's magical, Lord. It's mystical, <laughs> that's, that's spiritual. Um, something, Lord, that, that testifies to the reality that we're not here on this sort of ball of water and ice and earth by random, just living our lives, not mattering to anything, meaningless in the universe, no. Um, Lord, we matter um, because, Lord, you created us and you meant for us to know you and you've made it possible in Jesus. You've broken through our doubts, our despair, our worries, our sin. And made it possible for us to know you and experience all of what we're meant to experience. And one of those things, Lord, those key things is rest. So, Lord, uh, make those things more true for each life today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.